Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, we've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039S hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon man john i sure am glad to be here at firehouse getting a sub i got a hankering for a ham sandwich like a motherfucker dude it's a good thing i get the military discount well let's walk inside my feet never touch the ground stop hovering man change into somebody real quick not to sound bad, but you might attract attention as a as a green version. You know what I'm saying? I don't know when they clean these floors last. You can wear shoes. Can't get my new kicks dirty. I see you transform into a country person such as myself. Well, oh shit. Is that Bruce Wayne right in front of us? Don't worry, man. I know your secret. Firehouse is closed. The age of heroes came. Neither of you were there. Where the fuck were you? Why the fuck would Firehouse be closed? We need Firehouse even more in the age of heroes. I gotta. I have a caloric deficit I gotta worry about, man. I own Firehouse, that's why. You bought Firehouse too? God damn, man, what don't you own? You turned it into Disney or some shit. So you're saying subs are on you. Subs are on you, right? You'll get subs after this conversation. Let's take it a step back real quick. So you were just standing at a fucking Firehouse that's not in operation? That's beside the point. What are you doing here, man? We just had the invasion of Steppenwolf. Neither of you were there. I recruited both of you. Explain yourself. So you were here brooding by yourself in a firehouse subs. Submarine sandwich operation. I said explain yourselves. It's kind of dim in here too, man. So it's just weird, man. It's how I like it. Well, I don't know. You probably can't tell. I don't know how good your detective powers are, but this is actually John Jones. I know who he is. You knew already. God damn, nothing gets past you. I know both of you, Wally. You need to tell me why you weren't part of the defense squad. Man, I was going there, but then I got sidetracked. I get, I'm late a lot, man. The speedsters are like that. I was busy letting Lois know the world needs her. It was way more important. Wait, what does that mean, man? That sounds a little weird too, but 
We'll put a pin in that one. That sounds like something else, man. We're well past the time we need Lois Lane. Wow, that was sexist. But any anyway, um, it doesn't have to do with that. Wonder Woman was there. You gonna tell Clark that we don't need Lois Lane? I I don't know, man. Shit, that sounds a bit off to me. The point is. Barry was there. You were not, Wally. Barry was taking care of it. We could have had two speedsters. Eh. Well, shit, man. Um, I was binging WandaVision, and that shit was good as hell, man. I I missed the whole thing because I watched like eight hours in a row. And then all of a sudden, the world was better again, man. You guys did great. All right, what's your excuse, John? I was watching the weeding cut, looking for my scenes. So he was looking at that shit the whole time. And then finally showed up at your house, I guess. Nine episodes of WandaVision, two hours of Justice League. The math checks out considering how much time you need to get over the emotional disappointment of Justice League, so... I understand. You two are excused, but next time, you better be there. Hey man, definitely. Especially if I get a fucking sub here soon. Alright, subs are on me. Woo! Hell yeah. Can I take your order? You work here too, man. Goddamn. There's no employees. That was kind of an oversight on my part. You're in the goddamn house on the fucking side of the river or some shit, and you're working this job too, man. This shit's- Do you want a sandwich or not, Wally? Yeah. I, I'll, let me get let me get three hook and ladders, man, with bacon. Three hook and ladders with bacon, coming right up. And make it snappy. And thus, Batman made subway sandwiches in Firehouse. Welcome back to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. We continue with Justice League, Snyder versus Whedon. It is I, the man who knows too much about Batman. This is Ben, and here with me is... It is I, Andrew, here to host another, a co-host, another episode brought to you by Superhouse. <laughs> All hail Darkseid. And, and with us is returning, yeah, with us is returning guest, Dustin. <laughs> with tiny little weak not so evil eyes <laughs> <laughs> yes it's definitely nasty ladies and gentlemen so uh, where we left off was Snyder 7 Whedon 1.5 as you notice there is only three of us that is because Zach unfortunately had to sacrifice his life to fight Doomsday uh, I made a promise on his grave, though, that we would continue the series <laughs> and that uh, we will use the Mother Box and the Flash to resurrect him so that he can come back for the remainder of the series. But for right now, uh, he's in the Smallville Cemetery. Rest <laughs> in peace for one day. Ben's character arc is now complete, and he <laughs> yeah. is, he, he's a different man from here on out. So. I'm going off faith, Andrew, for the first time. First time. Uh, you yes. know, generally science-based ass uh, Batman. We're getting to that part, by the way. Yeah. But, yeah, yes. uh, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Tell me as to wear all black next episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll fax him this shirt. Yes. <laughs> all right. So we left off with uh, the end of Chapter 1 called Don't Count on a Batman. And now we're exploring Chapter 2 called The Age of Heroes. So here we go. Snyder was at 7. Whedon was at 1.5. We are giving points to Snyder on all the stuff we thought was superior. And Whedon gets uh, pity points for anything that we thought we liked in the original cut that wasn't carried over into the 2021 cut. Uh, We call it the Whedon cut because he was the one who 
had been shooting, you know, he wrote 80 pages and reshot like 50% of the film. So uh, we call it the Whedon cut rather than the studio cut uh, because of that. And also because, as I said in the previous episode, uh, calling it just the studio cut seems to feel like I'm just putting blame solely on the studio, whereas I think it's the studio and Whedon that got us what we got in 2017. But anyway, chapter two, The Age of Heroes. In the original cut uh, of the Snyder Cut that we saw in 2021, we actually see Steppenwolf arrive at the power plant in Russia, which blew my mind because I was just like, oh, there's an actual reason why he chooses this place. Um, <laughs> he says he it's just, toxic, right? That's yes, perfect. That's good. Yes, he uses good. the toxicity to help his plans you know, for the mo- mother box. Uh, we did not cover this at all. Instead, he gave us a random Russian family whose house gets taken over by parademons and nobody gave a shit about them. Uh, he sends the parademons off to the other mother boxes and says, you know, he will be pleased. He will see my worth again, uh, which is the first indication of Steppenwolf's, you know, standing there where he's kind of not in good standing with the rest of Apocalypse right now. Uh, and this begins the subplot with Steppenwolf and Darkseid that gives him more character depth. Whedon's version lacks that depth. It simply has dialogue of Steppenwolf talking to the mother box as mother again because he's got that weird fetish. And the only indication that he's not in good standing of Darkseid is him saying, quote, my exile will come to an end and that he will take his place among the new gods. Uh, the Whedon cut was notable for Steppenwolf saying for Darkseid. Uh, and everyone's just like, oh, he mentioned Darkseid. Whereas Snyder cut actually fucking shows Darkseid as a character multiple times uh, to set him up. So And the Omega Beam in one scene. Yes, exactly. But we kind of <clears throat> know where this is going. Let's start with Dustin in terms of thoughts. Um, yeah, just unbelievable. Like the, the whole, um, you know, from the beginning, like it being toxic and explaining like why they're at that particular place. Um, cause it never really made sense for me. And even now, like if that was like the reasoning for the weed and cut, it doesn't make sense to have people that even live near remote. <laughs> <Right. near. laughs> why are they there? Um, yeah. He's copying age of Ultron at that point. He's just like, let's have other civilians. They got to save. Yeah, right. It doesn't. Ah, they're like, like Russian or some shit. <laughs> it doesn't make sense at all. Um, you know, and it and it it just it. Um, I, I think watching the Snyder cut, it it made me realize at that point just like how like out of place things seemed. Um, mm-hmm. and it really seemed like you know Whedon was like, well, let me shoot this and see what I can salvage and piece together to make a movie and it ended up being like this kind of like Frankenstein monster that never really kind of like matched up. Mm. Um, so like for me, just like explaining like why they were at that particular point and then giving the backstory and showing dark side was just like amazing. Absolutely. Andrew. Yeah, it's better. The Russian family or I'm assuming Russian, uh, something like that. Slavic peoples. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Sokovians. Sokovians. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was better in every way for Snyder. So, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about this. Yeah, I just like they, they thrive off of toxicity, literally toxic mm-hmm. radiation, which, <laughs> hey, it's fucking Seven Wolf and Darkseid. Why the fuck not? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, make, it makes sense. Inside of a fucking nuclear reactor is pretty cool. So, yeah, definitely, definitely yeah. points for Snyder on here on this one. And Terrio. And uh, look, when we say Snyder, we mean t- Chris Terrio and Will Bill as well. Everybody who was part of that. Yeah. yeah, Who was part of the creative team in the original version. Uh, Remember back in 2017, Joss Whedon was caught liking a tweet where someone said Steppenwolf was the worst comic book villain. Uh, And now we know that he liked it because he made it that way. 
He made Steppenwolf less interesting. He took away the subplot. He made it all generic and stuff. So it's kind of just like, well, fuck you then, because you basically ruined the, the villain of this and laughed about it on Twitter. Uh, again, we don't really give a shit about Steppenwolf or the Russian family in the Whedon cut, whereas here there's like an actual explanation plot-wise, and there's stuff that furthers his subplot, which actually gives him you know more depth as a character and make him, makes him more sympathetic. So uh, Snyder 8, Whedon 1.5, because the point obviously goes to Snyder on this. All right. Yep. Next scene is Bruce Wayne on the plane with Alfred. In the Snyder cut, Bruce Wayne shaves off his beard and goes into a very dark-looking, you know, Wayne Enterprises plane where he and Alfred discuss uh, Barry Allen in terms of Alfred's findings on this one kid named Barry Allen in Central City. And Alfred sort of questions his determination to recruit everyone, and Bruce brings up that, you know, this isn't about just the world. It's about his own redemption. It's about how he made a promise. You know, I made a promise to him on his grave, Alfred, uh, about Superman. And this is not at all in the Whedon cut. The Whedon cut has a much longer scene in a much more brightly lit Wayne Enterprises plane. Uh, or maybe that's just the color palette. But uh, in the Whedon version, Bruce continues bringing up this three mother boxes thing, uh, which, again, as we talked about, is superfluous because Diane is going to tell him about the mother boxes anyway. Uh, and Alfred makes jokes about Bruce wanting to date Diana gives information or basic exposition on both Barry Allen and Victor Stone. And uh, at the end, Alfred says uh, he doesn't recognize this world. And Bruce is just like, we don't have to recognize it. We just have to save it. So uh, what was once a character moment for Bruce in terms of his determination to redeem himself after what happened with Superman has kind of been replaced with pure exposition, it seems like, uh, in the Whedon cut about, you know, Bruce is trying to find other members of the Justice League before he recruits them. So... On to you guys. This is a very kind of small scene, but uh, any other things, any other thoughts on this, Dustin? Um, overall, I thought it was better. The only thing, and this is just like a little thing that like I wish would have happened like in the movie, just to be like a Frank Miller tie-in. Like he keeps saying he wants warriors. I just wish he would have said soldiers. Like just, Ooh, just, yeah. <laughs> just use soldiers, man, to tie it into you know frank miller the dark knight because there's so many other like obvious references to like that batman and like overall yes it's completely better but i just wish they would have used the word soldiers instead of warriors that's like my only criticism mm -hmm. andrew <clears throat> i don't remember much about the justice league in for, for this particular thing i mean from what you just said yes yeah, snyder again of course mm -hmm. um they're just talking about basically just uh Barry, right? That's it. Like, what? Yeah, what that's all they... they talk about in the in the Snyder cut or the Whedon cut. In the Snyder one, yeah, they, they talk about Barry, but it leads to an, an argument, a conflict between Alfred and Bruce about Alfred's just like you know you've been spending all this time trying to put together this team, and and Bruce you know brings up about how this is about you know his redemption. Right. Um. Yeah. I mean Snyder. I don't know. Uh, yeah. This is obviously Snyder again. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Snyder nine. Whedon one point five. Um. Snyder. <laughs> you know I. I like this because it seemed like the Justice League was kind of just like, let's forget about Batman versus Superman, even though this is a sequel to Batman versus Superman. Like, the, there's they clearly were trying to bury the history of the fact that Bruce has a lot of guilt uh, on it. And sure, they had some parts about that in the Justice League, but it, it wasn't as... I, I feel like this is more emotional still. And, you know, it might have still had more wait if Superman and Batman had more scenes together in, in Batman versus Superman where they were on the same team uh, but just the line you know I made the promise to him on his grave is just so visceral 
compared to anything that was in the previous version of the scene we saw in 2017. Batman just makes promises on graves. He does, yes. This is his this is his thing, yes. This is the first time we've heard of it in live action film too, because we've never had the vow of, you know, how he would swear to fight crime in, in the previous versions. In Arkham the game, whenever he, uh, he meets pre Batgirl uh, Babs, yeah. she says, Why do you do what you do? And then he says, Because I made a promise. Yeah. And like that's 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 really it. But yeah, other than that, not much, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Snyder nine, we did one point five. Uh, next, we are introduced to Joe Morton as Dr. Silas Stone at Star Labs. Uh, there are some small differences here. In the original version, in the Snyder Cut, he grabs a tape recorder before leaving, which obviously pays off later, uh, as we saw. Uh, we didn't cut this moment from this version because, you know, fuck character emotion, apparently, in that <laughs> version. Uh, <clears throat> Silas says goodnight to the janitor in a very quick moment in a dark hallway. Uh, which is brighter in the Joss Whedon cut. Uh, what's interesting, I thought, was that we kind of go from that to directly the janitor cleaning up and then getting taken by the parademon. In the Whedon cut, we have the janitor commenting, you know, you know, Victor was a wonderful kid. I'm sorry about your son. We never had a chance to talk about what happened. And Silas thanks him. I don't know if that was really shot by Whedon or if it was shot by Snyder, and Snyder just cut it. But it seems like there was more... Uh, of an effort in the Whedon cut to say, like, here's Silas Stone, he's connected to Victor Stone, and then our next scene is Silas and Victor talking in the apartment, and then we get to the janitor. In the Snyder cut, we kind of just have this little small scene with him and the janitor. He leaves. If you don't remember Joe Morton's cameo in Batman vs. Superman, you don't really know necessarily who he is or his connection to Cyborg, and then we get the janitor being taken by the parademon. Uh, other clear difference is that in the Whedon version, the janitor... Uh, goes in and you hear you know the screech of the parademon whereas in the snyder version you actually see the parademon uh and the parademon takes the guy so it's obviously supposed to be scarier in a way so uh any thoughts on this i know it's a very it seems like a very minor part but it is the introduction of a, a major character in this movie or you know one of the major characters who's not a superhero here so dustin well i mean the way you're framing it up it's kind of like well, you know, Whedon did this and Snyder didn't do this, but realistically in the four hour movie, you know, Silas Stone ends up being a huge part, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not like this initial, like I got to squeeze something in real quick so people mm -hmm. know you're his father. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, for me, like overall, like, you know, we mentioned, you know, episode one, like your initial reaction is like, this is a completely different movie. Mm -hmm. right and um that's where it's completely different mm -hmm. is cyborg is such a huge part of this movie and not just cyborg but his dad mm -hmm. um and you know for me like one of the things that like as i was watching it i just kept reflecting on you know ray fisher and the the accusations he was making course, and yeah. not necessarily thinking there was anything to it but then you watch this movie and then you realize we didn't cut out all the black people. <laughs> like all, <laughs> you know? Seems, it seems I'm that like, way. Yes. <laughs> then I'm like, maybe there is something, you know, to this, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, you know, maybe Whedon 
does a better job in this scene, like in making the connection because he knows I'm going to cut him out for the rest of the movie. But, you know, in the long run, like Zach just like delivers so much. Oh yeah. And he, he has time, he has time to do it. Um, mm-hmm. And um, just the overall handing handling of like all those characters um, and the fact that like, you know, cyborg ends up being godlike. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it, just so dramatically different um absolutely and, and and you start to understand how it sets up all the solo movies that were supposed to happen you know afterwards mm-hmm. but dramatically different um mm-hmm. you know and i understand why snyder makes a choice because he's like i've got time and i'm going to deliver mm-hmm. whereas whedon's trying to like squeeze it in because he's like i'm going to cut you out yeah yeah he's only got so much time he, there was the mandate to keep it at two hours you know, as well. So it's just like, I'm going to just cut the heart out of this type of thing. Uh, Andrew. That's, so that's, you're referencing right there a line that uh, Snyder said in a tweet, I think. He said, you were, he said that Cyborg was the heart of the film. Heart of the movie, yeah. Yeah, he said that. Whenever I read that, I was like, oh, Snyder, you have, do you have heart in your movies? I don't know. But then he fucking does in a very big way in this fucking movie. He was not lying, yeah. He was not lying. I mean, there was heart in Man of Steel and shit, but... I mean, there's always a little bit of heart in those movies, but this was like in a big way, and they mm-hmm. they it's like they fucking did heart surgery and removed that shit with the last one. So yeah, Jesus man, I don't even know how you cut that shit out, man, because that's like that was really like the major thread mm-hmm. of of this whole film. They, it's interesting because it's like he's already done a lot of Batman and Superman, but he f- yeah. They focus on this, you know, previously pretty minor character in most people's eyes, most movie-going uh, members' eyes. So, um, uh, well, anyway, Snyder, of course, uh, right. Parademon look fucking rules. Uh, mm-hmm. I say it before, I say it again. Um, this is the scene where it's like in the like lab, and and he's like, yeah. oh shit, yeah, that scene yeah, yeah. was really fucking cool. Um, mm-hmm. I love Snyder's uh, and whoever did the concept design for it. Uh, I love the parademons in this whole thing. The like little bug look with the yeah. fucking goggles. BVS, yeah. And it's a little bit like um, the same kind of like thing as um, Sucker Punch, actually. Um, mm-hmm. uh, outside of what that movie was, the designs are kind of similar to the parademons. So Snyder definitely has a type. And uh, yeah, it's fucking great. This is great. Yeah. yeah Silas yeah. Stone fucking rules. Great casting with him being, you know, maybe it's typecasting to some sort, but like <laughs> with the Skynet, he being the Skynet guy. Miles Bennett Dyson. Yeah, yeah. That scene always stuck with me, man, with the fucking cutting off the hand yeah. uh, in Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. Um, if you younger people out there haven't seen Terminator 2, watch the shit that. immediately. Turn off this podcast. <laughs> don't. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, right after this podcast. Terminator 2 is fucking up there if you haven't seen it. Don't bother with any of the things that came afterwards. Terminator yes. 1 and 2. That's it. Stop Stop after that. But yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Snyder absolutely gets the point for the parademon. Um, in terms of, like, I think, you know, Dustin's right, where it's just like, it's the differences in approaches here where, like, Snyder has the time. You know, like, he, the, what we didn't, the, the main benefit to the Whedon cut for this specific sequence of, of scenes is basically establishing things quicker. But, you know, you realize when you watch the Snyder Cut that uh, the information that you get out of that Whedon scene that we saw in 2017 was interspersed through several scenes uh, in the Snyder Cut that 
ultimately have more heart to them, especially when it comes to Cyborg himself uh, and his powers uh, and all that. So, you know, Snyder gets the point for uh, uh, this making it Snyder 10, Whedon 1.5 on this. It was kind of uh, horror movie you know, it was like a horror movie a little bit. Yeah, it was like, an actual which horror was, movie. Which was cool. They they built up to it, too. Like, in the yeah. Snyder Cut, the janitor looks and sees the destruction and sees the, the roof that's been... Like, yeah. There's a hole in it. And then he finds the parademon. You see the parademon. Then he screams, as opposed to the uh, the Whedon Cut, where it's just like he, he walks in, directly goes, undoes the thing. There's, like, no built-up tension. You don't see the parademon. It's just very just quick and random. Again, it's just... There's an economy to the Whedon cut that undercuts, I think, the uh, the emotion to it, as well as uh, probably is honestly what the studio would have wanted Snyder to do anyway, back in 2017. Like, we're lucky to have this cut where he's just like, this is everything that I want in the movie, as opposed to this is me teaming up with the studio for this movie, which is what we'd gotten in 2017 had, uh, you know, the tragedy hadn't happened and, and had he, you know gotten you know his cut released it wouldn't have been this version uh next sequence is the fire arrow so uh we get a sequence in both versions where hippolyta fires an arrow to alert diana about the invasion and uh diana sees it from her workplace the main difference is, is that uh the snyder version is just longer there's more of a build-up uh there's almost like a ceremony in handing off the arrow to hippolyta and then she says return to me diana as she shoots it in the in the Whedon cut, it's just literally she's got the arrow. She says, "Listen to me, Diana," and then he she shoots it off. So it's basically, you know, again, economy is what the studio and Whedon were going for, even if it undercut the emotions. Uh, Diana finds out about the fire at the museum. The Snyder version is also longer in terms of her finding out or talking to her colleagues, but uh, I mean, in general, there's not really much of a big difference here. I don't know if we have much to say. <laughs> on this one other than the fact that just there's so much more room to breathe uh in the snyder cut i'm sure you agree dustin i mean like for me like once again like the only thing that resonated with me from the weeding cut was like i remember her working on the art like that's the only thing i remember right Mm -hmm. and then like watching the snyder cut like it all just feels like more cohesive so i think it like stuck with me and that was like the big thing that i pulled out from it right like like oh okay all this makes sense but the only thing i remember from whedon's cut is her you know working on the art the statue yeah yeah <clears throat> andrew i don't have much to say i mean yeah it's it's better i like the i like that it's you know a little bit more drawn out i guess uh, you know we get to spend more time with these characters so yeah, yeah. good snyder again snyder 11 whedon 1.5 i I mean, it's pretty much like the, this is one where like the differences are kind of just like there's more. There's not necessarily more of an emotion so much as the fact that you get more time with the characters you like. Uh, moving on to the next part, Snyder has an entire subplot we did not see at Star Labs uh, that was not in the Whedon cut, which is investigating what happened with the janitor <laughs> in the Whedon cut. Nobody seems to react to the, the disappearance of the of the. I mean, right. they, well, they do actually. They do, but none of we don't see Silas Stone react to it. It's just in the news, uh, and uh. talked about by the GCPD. But it's not, you know, the people who are actually affected by it uh, are not uh, actually affected by it in that version. Whereas, opposed here, Silas comes and he finds out about the uh, disappearance from the cops who were there, and we get introduced to Silas Stone's colleague. Uh, we have an Asian person. In Zack Snyder's <laughs> Justice League. Uh, Wait, one, one second, real quick. 
weed and cut out another person of color. Yes, he cut out uh, <laughs> he cut out Ryan Choi, played by actor Ryan Zhang. Completely cut from the Whedon version. No surprise there. Wait, he's uh, Choi? He's supposed to be fucking, um, what's his he's name? He's Ryan Choi. He's the Adam. He's the Adam. He's the Adam. God damn it. I didn't even which fucking is, put that together. Which is why at the end, they're just like, you're the director of nanotechnology. That you're, that's your thing. He's like, yep, right. that's my thing. Yeah, right, that's right, why he right, says that. Right, he's right, he's right, the right. Adam. Which means he could be, you know, if Snyder were to continue, he could be in Justice League 2 or 3 uh, as the Adam, which would be awesome. Uh... So he's a possible future member of the Justice League alongside, you know, Martian Manhunter. Uh, we'll do a future Patreon episode on just Ryan Choi and Zack Snyder's plans for him. But anyway, uh, Ryan is Silas's colleague. We kind of have a nice bond between them because you can kind of tell Ryan is a little bit in on Silas taking the mother box, but he kind of covers for him. Uh, we get more information on what Star Labs is working on and that they're the ones working on the Kryptonian scout ship. We get to hear Hans Zimmer's Krypton Superman music again for what feels like the first time in years so that was cool um and then silas learns that people have been abducted and sees a drawing of a parademon which is going to be mistaken for batman uh and then he comes home to victor who uh accuses him of knowing you know knowing a lot about monsters as he says so anyway uh this is stuff that's added that we just did not see uh in the weed and stuff so uh, what did you think in terms of the the ryan Choi stuff and this whole added investigation stuff dustin yeah, I mean, like, for me, like, I had the same initial reaction Andrew did, right? Like, another person of color, you know, cut from the <laughs> right? Like, holy yeah. smokes. Um, and, and after, you know, after a while, if there's enough smoke, there's got to be fire, right? Um, so uh, that was, you know, kind of, like, tough to actually, like, kind of deal with at that point. Because then, you know, um, Iris West is also cut to... Mm-hmm. so um it just all starts like adding up right um but i did really like the whole kind of like subplot they were developing where um people were potentially thinking it was batman yeah. and it was like leading it was building off of uh the batman versus superman storyline where you know he's branding people and he's in the news for mm-hmm. Uh, being more violent and um, being referred to as a criminal. And they think that it's, this is just like an extension. Like he's like elevating. Um, and then it, it becomes accusatory like later on by commissioner Gordon, you know, like, you know, do you think he's doing this? And it's like, no, I can't be Batman. And yeah. you know, everybody in Gotham believes that it's Batman doing it. So I thought it was a cool little nod to like, keep that, that, thread going um and it was obvious um you know the connection so i, th- I thought it was pretty cool and another way just to keep the the batman mythos you know going um but yeah like all of it was you know great stuff that um just pushed the the story further mm-hmm. andrew man i can't believe i slept on the atom i mean shit <laughs> gotta have him in there um, he was one of my favorite in Injustice 2. Um, anyway, um, yeah, Snyder again. I don't know what to say. I mean, they cut out this whole entire fucking subplot. It's ridiculous. I yeah. mean, I know I know Whedon was strapped for time, but I don't know. Yeah. In this case, he, he's tied, like, Ryan Choi tell, is the one who plants the idea to Silas Stone about the uh, the laser, oh, which yeah, then pays off so, into yeah. that part. So That pays off again, you yeah. Know, with Kiersey Clemens, I'm kind of like, okay, like, I kind of get it. We're just like, we don't have the time, and she's in this one scene, but Ryan Choi's subplot is directly tied in with Silas Stone's subplot, 
and it has so much more of an emotional tie-in to you know this this tale about uh, you know cyborg losing his dad that it's just kind of unforgivable that it was cut but he cut out all cyborg too pretty much so and he, yeah like <laughs> so it didn't matter i guess uh, with with Wheaton's cut but it's oh man yeah um yeah snyder what can i say uh ryan Choi, i think is a great addition for this i was not expecting him to be in this as much as well as i wasn't expecting to like him as much as uh, i did uh, in this uh, this is not the scene in it but later on where he's got the scene where he's just like you're looking at the hottest thing on earth that's exactly what i said to my prom date <laughs> <laughs> i was just like okay this guy's cool <laughs> yeah that was good that was good uh but i think that it is you know dustin brings up a great point about it building off of Batman versus Superman with Batman being mistaken for the parademons and what that could mean to Batman's image. Uh, it would have been cool if we saw a little more of that uh, with Batman personally dealing with that, but uh, it was still uh, a great idea, I think. And, you know, the, the movie is better for having this subplot and for having this element. And, again, just giving us more characters we, we care about, which is something that I think this has over the previous... Uh, Snyder and DC movies is that you genuinely care about these characters uh, in talking about Cyborg I kind of realized today as I was thinking over the movie that this is a movie about uh, characters who have broken families coming together as a family you got Bruce who's lost right. his parents you got you know Clark who lost both as a natural you know his biological parents and his adopted father you have Wonder Woman who's cut off from her family completely from the island you have Aquaman who sort of rejects the idea of family because of what his mom did to him you have the Flash, whose mom was murdered, and his you know his dad's been in prison this whole time, and then you got Cyborg, who loses both parents in this movie and still finds a way to be reborn from that, and they all kind of come together and, and feel like they're not so alone anymore, uh, even to the point where it almost feels like Batman in his last scene of Martian Manhunter is almost more uh, healed in a way than the usual Batman that we see. So I think that's that's a wonderful way to do the Justice League that I had never never once occurred to me during the Justice League that that was ever a theme or that was ever a thing uh, in there. Now that you say it like that, I feel like I had that sort of internally, but I, I didn't have it um, verbalized in that way in my head. That I think that's it, and I think that was on purpose, I would like, yeah. to, I would yeah. like to think, like very much so on purpose. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah, they're all from broken families, like you said, and then mm -hmm. they form a family. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's the fucking that's character arc as a group, yes. Yeah, that's why there's so much emphasis. Maybe less so on Batman and Superman, because we already know their stories, but like Wonder Woman, how much she misses the mascara. Aquaman, they talk about, you know, William Dafoe talks about, you know, your mother, you know, wanted you to have this trident and things like that. And then, you know, obviously Cyborg's story and, and the Flash quoting his dad when he does that, you know, that breathtaking sequence towards the end. Uh, it's all... It all ties in, and I think, again, the movie is worse when you take that element out, when you take out the heart of it. Speaking of arcs and everything, I think, for the most part, Batman's sort of living, he's kind of playing out his arc from Batman vs. Superman. Yeah, he's I'd still, say he and Wonder Woman are, yeah. Yeah, the, Wonder Woman also doesn't have much, but it's still enough. He, she just gets kind of verbally, almost kind of verbally abused every time she's with <laughs> Steppenwolf. You know yeah. what I mean? He always brings up some shit with uh, with the Amazons, but uh, other than that, it's not the character arcs aren't as well defined, and they don't have to be. Um, but they're not as well defined as they are with, of, of course, Cyborg, Flash, and Aquaman to a, to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense considering that those are the ones we haven't met yet. 
Yes, uh, it's, it's as of the time. totally fine. Yeah, it's yeah. totally fine. I mean, Aquaman, we now have the James Wan Aquaman movie, but we didn't have that back when we're, they were shooting this. So, right. again, it, it, it makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah uh, and I would say, too, like when we're talking about, like, you know, who gets cut and who gets focused on, mm-hmm. like initially my gut reaction would have been the studios are like, we need to focus on Batman and Superman. And that's why the cuts happen, right? And the footage gets reshot because you can't not have a movie with our cash cows, right? And that's right. like that instinct. But then you have like all these like you know news stories that pop up, and then you're like, oh, maybe that's not the only reason why mm-hmm. you know the movie has changed, and it's not something I would have even you know thought of if those stories hadn't been you know circulating. I would have just assumed it was because people felt like Batman and Superman didn't have enough arc, but like, do they, do they need it? You know, they don't even need it. Like we know Batman and Superman so much, like you can give these other characters the spotlight for a little bit. Right. And develop yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I definitely agree where it's just like, there probably is some element of just like, well, these are our bankable stars, you know, nobody knows cyborg, but then I'm just also like, yeah, but this is the big misconception in Hollywood is thinking that box office, money equals quality of the movie like what gets the butts and seats you have to pay off i'm like no not necessarily you can trick us you can say like this is batman superman and then like here's a cyborg movie here's a character you did not know before and who you're going to love batman superman are just along for the ride and guess what that's even better advertising because now at the end of this you're just like not only am i going to see a batman and superman and wonder woman movie but i'm also going to see a cyborg movie and a flash movie and an aquaman movie because of how well you set up these characters like you know, you don't just be like, we got to put more in this movie because it'll bring in more box office. Because it's just like, you don't know what the movie's going to be until you see the movie. <laughs> you know, just because that's why you, sometimes you get this huge dip from one weekend to the next in box offices because word of mouth goes and people are just like, nah, it sucked. Don't see it. They say, you know, to their friends. And then it sucked and the studio's like, what happened? Well, it's because you had a shitty product. It's not because, you know, <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with, uh, you know, people uh you know the first weekend didn't have anything to do with people liking the movie you just had people who were interested in it uh and you know it is pretty obvious then that they cut you know not only the people of color but you know when it comes to you know aquaman they uh i mean they knew jason momo was a star and they had an aquaman movie cyborg i think they thought they could get away with it a little more when it comes to Flash, one thing that I'm I'm going to bring up is that, sure, Ezra Miller is white, but he's also identifies as queer and gender neutral and goes by uh, they, them, as opposed to he, him. Did not so, know that, actually. Also, also suspicious <laughs> yeah. that his stuff is cut, even though his character, you know, uh, for all we've seen, seems to mainly be interested in women. But, you know, who knows what further characterization they had for that. But it does seem awfully, you know, as we said, it, it seems awfully suspicious that people of color are cut and that a member of the LGBTQ community is also cut down and, and severely basically squandered into being a, a lame comic relief interest, which is what he was in the Justice League version. All of Flash's jokes land for me in this new one, in the, in the Snyder one. Yeah. Flash yeah. is hilarious to me in this. Flash is he way better in this. pretty yeah. funny in the other one, but he's better in this one. And I... Since we're on Flash real quick, uh, this is way later in the movie, but mm. I love Flash doing yoga, and it seems like, because he says like ni- he says something about nice Jewish boy in mm-hmm. one of his lines, so it's like, right. so in S- Zack Snyder's universe, Flash is half Hispanic 
and Jewish and fully well, Jewish, maybe. I don't know if he had uh, a Latina Nora Allen in mind at the time. That's only oh, we right, only know right, that right. because of oh, that's true. Muschietti, that's true. Muschietti cast Nora Allen as a Latina actress, but I don't that's think that's true. You know, I don't know. Well, it's it's, a, it's just interesting. Like a, a you know a yoga loving Jewish Flash is like <laughs> that's great. I mean, right. everybody puts the puts their stamp on these characters, you know, and and that, I think mm-hmm. that's cool. I was going to wait and not say anything about Flash, but the biggest thing for me, <laughs> if we're going to talk about Flash, was yeah. like, he runs. And in Josh Whedon's movie, I felt like all he did was trip the entire ah, time. Ah, right, yeah. right, right. And I'm right, like, right, dude, right, right. all you do is run, and you can't run. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was so mad. Come on, so man. Mad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. You yeah. know, and, and, and then now we make him important. Right. Like you got to break the speed force and, you know, start playing with manipulating time, you know, and before he was just a joke, you know, I'm like, dude, like your superpowers to run fast and you can't even do that. Right. You know, Um, speed over power, man. I think the flash could probably take super. Well, that's a whole other topic, but like, (laughs) I feel like it's an episode (laughs) speed, speed, I think in real life is probably more important than, than power. And well, probably being able to take a hit. Anyway, that's a whole other topic. It depends on the situation, probably. I'd say. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, Flash definitely fucking shitload of power going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, each one kind of has their own nice little showcase, I think. At least with Cyborg and Flash. He's dodging uh, Superman's like punches really well too. He's like, yeah, you know, moving like out of the way and shit. Mm-hmm. That was great. It's awesome. Uh, unfortunately, Flash is not in Chapter Two, so this is the most that we can talk about him. Unless oh, we want to keep yeah. jumping ahead. But oops. Uh, for the next part, before we go to the break, we have uh, an added scene. It seems added, but it was really it was cut by the Whedon uh, version where Diana goes to the temple where the arrow landed, and she uses the arrow to go into another temple that has the dark side stuff on the walls. Uh, this was completely cut from the Whedon cut. Uh, in fact, the Whedon cut, now that we think about it, sort of implies that Diana has always known the story and kind of just sees the arrow and is just like, oh, this that arrow means all this shit's going to happen. Uh, again, it's understandable from economy, but from the other side, it does make more sense that she investigates the arrow, knowing that's the signal from the Amazons, and then you know uses that to uncover what's actually going on. Uh, thoughts on this added scene, Dustin? Um, you know, just you know, from being an artist and somebody who teaches art history, like I think it's interesting that she's she works in art restoration. And then you're looking at like prehistoric examples of art that, you know, she is aware of. So I like the connection um, between like, um, you know, the wall carvings and, you know, the Greek temples and different things like that. And I think it makes sense why she would be interested in them. Um, And also, you know, like obviously she's aware of it and maybe she's, you know, in that particular profession as a way of like preserving it and making sure that that information like still exists and lives on. Um, yeah, I thought about that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's cause like what happens if, you know, she is 5,000 years old, but what happens if she dies and there's nobody else to, you know, take care of that information like later on, but they don't know about dark side. Right. Uh, then we have Batman trying to figure out about the mother boxes from the pair of demons themselves. And if they don't explode and leave those symbols on <laughs> Very conveniently. (laughs) So I I think it, I thought it was interesting and it is a good way to kind of like help um, build some character for um, Diana as well. 
Andrew? Love the script in it. The uh, dark side Greek script, Greek-looking script or whatever. It looks like, you know, she puts up the flame up to it at the wall, and it, it looks like they tried to spell out dark side in that script, ah. which is so comic booky. But it's I so love it. Though. It's so it's great. So like, it would never really look like that in, like, ancient Greek fucking, you know, any kind of Greek script, I feel like. But um, that was my favorite part of that scene, actually. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> dark like, side in Greek. <laughs> yeah, actually, yes. It's just, I don't know. I love the I love the dark side cometh kind of vibe, too, you know? Like, mm-hmm. fucking Satan's coming, everybody. Get ready, you know? Like, yes. the demons are already here. So, hail dark side. Um, yeah, it was great. <laughs> Uh, I, I like it. I, I do, as I said, like it didn't strike me how weird it is that Diana seems to know this entire history just magically in the weaving cut until I saw this. I'm like, actually, that does make more, like th- we always <laughs> knew like some, there was some weird shit going on with the weaving cut, but there's, it's when you watch the Snyder cut and you realize like, oh, that's why that happens. I never thought about how weird that was. Like it's even, even years later after thinking about it, it's, it just keeps, this is the gift that keeps on giving the Snyder Cut in terms of just how just fucked over this movie was in the the studio version just because of this man this random mandate to keep it two hours uh, even though it's a movie that deserves to breathe in order to introduce you know these multiple characters uh, and it, it just enhances the mythology in order for you know Diana to learn it this way and then to pass it on to Bruce like that so I think we're once again giving the point to Snyder yep uh, Snyder 12, Whedon 1.5. He has not gotten a single point in this entire episode. So, landslide. <laughs> we knew it was going to be a landslide. I'm just interested sometimes to see if there's anything that we liked. But anyway, after the break, we will uh, finish up Chapter 2, The Age of Heroes. We're the Spirit Hunters, and we're a show that treats Hunter Hunter and Yu Hakusho's author as the center of the universe. Some weeks, we do linguistic analysis. So, the Chinese meaning of this character is to smelt or refine. But so the changed meaning in Japanese, it means to temper. Other times, we get absolutely smashed. So we take one shot every time. Yusuke uses the ray gun. One hour later. This is the least coherent episode. Sarah, you're... I think your apartment is haunted. <laughs> I think you're... Wait, wait, <laughs> You can find out more about the Spirit Hunters right here on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Wally, what are you doing here? Go back to the Teen Titans. Man, I'm here to name the team, man. We're going to be the Rootin' Tootin' League. Barry, Barry, stop smoking weed and get your ward out of here. Uh, I think you should be in the league, man. We need two of us. We need a better name than just the league. Uh, yeah, rootin' tootin' sounds good with me, or uh, you know, the dudes. Wait, the dudes and the dudettes. We are not going with those names, Clark. Nobody will see the dudes coming. How about the Little Beaver League? We shall strike fear in the hearts of all that oppose us. You already had one week as Little Beaver, and now you're back as Robin. I'm back as Little Beaver, head of the Beaver League. That name does not work. We already tried it. <laughs> Says you. Arthur, what do you think? My man, I think we should be the Amazo League. Why are we the Amazo League? Amazo's one of our opponents. Oh, that's a guy? Already? Have you not been paying attention? You've been with Barry smoking the weed, haven't you? <laughs> Nothing gets past you. <laughs> not does it. Oh, man, he found out again. Where's, like, Wonder Woman? Well, she's out, like, doing shit, I think. Like, actual work, unlike us, 
doing this shitty ass meeting. She said she didn't give a fuck about names. Wonder Woman is responding to a suspected terrorist threat over in London. Little Beaver should be there as well. To be honest, all of us should be here, but I'm stuck on duty trying to brainstorm names. Clark, you haven't said anything. What is your idea for the name? Well, Bruce, let me tell you. <laughs> I think that we should be the Kansas City Chiefs. That's not taken, right? I think it is. What? Why do you want to go off Kansas City? That's not even in Kansas. Is it not? Oh, that's Missouri? It is in Missouri. Oh. If someone from Kansas, you would know that. My dad told me to not play sports, so I don't know much about it. You don't have to play sports in order to know sports. Hmm. But that's okay. I'll take your word for it, Bruce. I forgive you. However, the sound of league sounds good. We can take that from sports. We just need something interesting in front of it. Oh, man. I don't know much about sports either. Uh, so, like, we're going with league? So, the... Uh Weed League? No, wait, that's not good. The Weed League would just be you and Arthur. How about the Super League, man? That makes sense. Like Super Bowl? Super League. Perfect sense right there. Boom. Done. Copywritten. Trademark. I've already got it done. Everyone would think that we're part of Superman's family. Nah, they won't think that. My man, I think that they would. I'm going to agree with Bats here on this one. I hate to say it, but you're right this time, Bruce. Thanks, Arthur. Uh, I'm just gonna go with whatever you guys say. Now I wish Diana was here. Instead, it's just us. Hey guys, am I loud in this or what? I thought no, I would no, just pop no, in. No, no, no. I just Boston, wanted to pop back. in once again. Boston, go I, back your part. Whatever you do, just add dark behind it so I could be part of it. Boston, go back to the afterlife. You don't have to tell me twice. Now everyone thinks that I was just talking to myself. Nah, man. I'm so high, I saw that shit. <laughs> Wait a second, Bruce. Did you just say, just us? I did. Well, I'm starting to think that great minds think alike. What are you talking about? He's talking about calling us the Just Us League, of course, dummy. Because it's just us without Wonder Woman, and that sucks. <laughs> well, Wonder Woman would be part of the League. Come on. We don't want to be discriminating and be a sausage fest. Yeah, man. I think uh, I I'm just surprised you haven't thought of this already, it being your raison d'etre, Batman, uh, and that is justice. I like the sound of that, Wally. The Justice League. I believe it's settled. The Super Justice League. No, no, no. no. The Justice League. There's no Super, Clark. Come on. The Super Justice Dark League. No, you'll be, you'll be Justice League Dark. What? That's stupid. What's the name again? Yeah, I'm like lost now, dude. We are the Justice League. Boston's part of the Justice League Dark. There, it's settled. Is that like a thing or something? We already got two names. Well, Boston was never really part of this group. He kind of just crashed in here. That's like his raison d'etre. Great. Wally uses raison d'etre. Now everyone thinks it's their word. Anyway, Justice League. We got it. Boom. All right, now let's go to uh, Burrito Palace. Is that on the way to uh, wherever Diana's at? I believe it is. Everyone in the Flying Fox. Except for you, Clark. You can fly there yourself. <laughs> Too many farts in that thing. I wouldn't want to fly with you anyway. <laughs> Alright, he's gone. Let's go get to Burrito Palace the other way. I heard that. Damn it. Alright, everybody. If you like that sketch right there, we have that plus news. Plus, we're bringing back some opinion pieces and uh, review type stuff and all kinds of stuff in our $5 tier on... Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod 
And if you become part of the $5 tier, you can see these new bonus episodes. Basically, consider it Superhouse DLC. Tell those kids that I love them. Tell those kids that I love them. Tell those kids that I love them. Tell them, tell them now. And we're back to cover the rest of Chapter 2, The Age of Heroes. So, our next scene has to do with Aquaman. So, uh, this really surprised me on how different this was. But Because in both the Snyder Cut and the Whedon Cut, Aquaman saves a random guy in the water and takes him into a bar. Uh, in the Snyder Cut, he's like, you know, he tells the bartender, tell him to respect the storm next time, which I thought was yeah, a really cool line. that's cool. Um, and then he goes off and goes into the water. And I was surprised because in the Whedon Cut, uh, Whedon made this tie into the uh, Mother Box plot. The guy he rescued had, like, green parademon blood on him. And Aquaman goes into the water specifically to investigate what's going on and ends up meeting up with Amber Heard's Mera at Atlantis and encountering Steppenwolf and all that stuff at that point. However, it looks like the original intention was, had nothing to do with the, uh, the plot of the Mother Boxes so much as it being more exploration into Aquaman's character. Uh, we have different music here as well. The Whedon cut in 2017 used Icky Thump by the White Stripes, which had been used in the trailers. Snyder probably would have likely used that song back in 2017, uh, since he was he uses he was using that in his own trailers, but it's probably too associated with the 2017 movie that that's probably why he replaced it with Nick Cave's "There Is a Kingdom," which is in the Snyder cut. Um, this seems to be more of a character moment than a plot moment because he goes to Atlantis in the Snyder cut, and we meet William Defoe's Volko before William Defoe did any shooting for uh, the James Wan Aquaman movie. So he's got a very different look with the long hair uh, and uh, different Atlantean armor. Uh, and he's the one who tells Aquaman what's going on with Steppenwolf killing the guards and ultimately challenges Aquaman to take up his mom's trident and Aquaman refuses. So that kind of spells out Aquaman's arc in this movie about, you know, still trying to be the loner, I don't know anyone, anything type of thing and eventually doing something for Atlantis and getting the mother box back as well as, um, you know, caring about other people. There's a great moment later on where uh, Flash is like, I thought you didn't care and Aquaman's like, I never said that. And it's, it's a great uh, it's a great acted moment by Momoa, I think, because you can kind of feel... It's almost like you, you feel his cold heart getting warmer uh, in that <laughs> moment to me. Uh, in, in that moment, I, I it just struck me, just the, the weight of that, just one subtle moment. But anyway, that's way in the future. For this, for this moment, what did you guys think? Because I was honestly really surprised at how different this Aquaman sequence was. Dustin? Yeah, like, um, you know... It was super interesting because it fills in like all the gray area, you know, and then um, because, you know, I, I always I always felt like I was trying to figure out like, where does this fit in in terms of like Aquaman? And there always just felt like there was some sort of like continuity, like issue kind of like there. Um, and I think it helps like bridge the gap a lot better and then also explain like his motivations of, you know, why he acts the way he does towards, you know, Bruce Wayne when he first comes in. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I thought it was handled a lot better. Um, and just like, like all the little things, like, you know, why do you keep coming back to this place? You oh, know, yeah. and, like, like all those little things like help build, you know, his character, um and help you understand like why he's making those choices and also you know too like why it takes him so long to come around um because he's like one of the last ones to join the team uh in mm -hmm. this you know, version so 
um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was a, a lot better. And then it's actually, when you were talking, I was like, green blood. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> well, we cut. Entirely. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about it as well. That's how memorable that movie was. <laughs> uh, I mean, Andrew. yes, Snyder again. Um, yep. I think it's, I just think it's cool to see slightly different like value systems as far as Superman wouldn't be like getting a drink and being like hey it's on him you know I don't think Batman would really do that either but Aquaman's just different and I think I'm not sure if they would have made those changes if it weren't for Momoa but it works with Momoa's Aquaman you know just because the way it's cast and it's like I'll save you but you're fucking buying me a whole bottle of whiskey, <laughs> motherfucker. You know what I mean? I don't care if you're in debt. Like, you're going to go in further in debt. Like, I don't know. I'm maybe thinking about that too much. But I think I think that's cool. cool. Yeah. I like yeah. to see that diff- they all have different, slightly different, like, morals. Slightly different. They're still obviously saving people, but slight tweaks after that, you know? Yeah. So I think that's cool. Uh, and that's a character moment, I think, in and of itself. I'm talking to Volko. What exactly are he's just Volko's like? Please choose Atlantis. What exactly does he say there? Again, take up your mother. Basically, he tells him it's time to take up your mother's trident and protect the seas because something's happening. You know, he's talking about the guards who were taken. Yeah, we okay. find out Steppenwolf takes to interrogate. Uh, and he's still so like no. Momo was still yeah because like, no. he just drops the he just he hands him the trident and he just he just lets it oh, fall. That's instead. right. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, which is a great yeah. Okay, we're going to get into this more with the uh, with the Iris scene, I think, eventually. But um, we talked about this with Joey, uh, f- you know, used to be on the podcast be- way back in the day, but um, a little bit. But there's there's character moments and then there's plot moments, you know? And yeah, and ideally the, you combine the both of them, but that doesn't always happen. Yeah, sometimes, a lot of times, yeah, like you, what you just said, you combine them, the character mm-hmm. serves plot. Is that right? Character should serve plot? Or plot serves plot character. Should serve, plot should serve character. Plot should serve character. Writing-wise. Well, anyway, they're connected, right? But sometimes, like in a scene like this, a little bit less connected, like with the Iris part. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, sometimes that's okay. You know, uh, sometimes we just have to, you have to go over character a little bit. Yeah. So it's cool. It works. Works with me. I think so, yeah. It was, it was definitely a big surprise. Because I knew that uh, William Defoe's vocal was going to be in here. I just, you know... The previous version was just like, oh, he saves this guy just to find out about the mother boxes. And then it's just like, oh, no, that's not what happens here at all. <laughs> he, he goes to meet Volko and we establish more about, you know, Aquaman standing as a character. And he goes from, you know, someone who is only looking out for himself to being somebody who is, uh, you know, willing to team up with all these other people. Again, in terms of broken families, you know, comes from a broken family, only out for himself, sort of gains a family at the end and then wants to reconnect to that family when he's like, you know, his last line in the movie is I got to go see my dad. Right. That. So, uh, Snyder 13, I believe. Yes, 13. <laughs> Whedon 1.5. Oh, man. I don't think Whedon's getting a single point in this goddamn episode. Probably uh, not. Nor does he deserve it. <laughs> and actually, before we move on, you're talking about, like, characters and developing plot and stuff. And, like, yeah. as I'm hearing you talk, like, I think, like, the, the main character that's being developed is the DC universe. Because, like, what I... <laughs> Like when I was watching it, I just kept thinking, like, this keeps getting bigger, right? And it's mm-hmm. like no longer just Batman and Superman. Like the whole DC universe is fleshing out, right? Um, and you get like all those like moments. So like, I think the DC universe is the big character <laughs> that's being developed. I'd, I'd agree with that. Like, it it definitely feels. This is the first time I felt like, oh, this is DC mythology on screen 
altogether, as opposed to like the previous solo movies. It was like, okay, this is cool. You know, now we got Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman together. But uh, you're right, where like you see Dark Side, you know, Green Lantern teases, Martian Manhunter, Ryan Choi. Like, there's so many different elements where it's just like, this is this is for fans, made by the fans to make it palatable for general audiences who are also clearly loving it right now. And this is why we love the DC universe. It's not it's not all Batman and Superman. You know, it it's did other elements. It does feel like one of the best animated DC movies, you know? It feels, it has that same vibe, like all the characters are fleshed out in that way is respect to the source material. Um, it's it's like a DC animated movie brought to live action. It really is. I mean, how much yeah. more of Snyder's dick can we suck? But goddamn, <laughs> the movie's so good, man. Yeah, it is. It, I, I would venture to say it's probably better than any of the animated DC movies it very uh, well of, could of, be of justice league of justice league <laughs> very well could be well i think ben said it was 13 to 1.5 so apparently we've sucked 13 inches so far <laughs> it keeps growing baby it, goes, it just it, keeps yeah. growing we got more scenes to go <laughs> like ryan Choi, or yeah Choi. yes that's what he said to his prom date so uh next we have and this blew my mind that the metal slab thing that Steppenwolf puts the mother box into turns into Dasad and Darkseid. I was like, oh, that's what that thing is for. Because <laughs> that's in, the Justice, in Justice League. He just puts the mother box in that shit, and that's about it. You just think, like, okay, he's just doing some weird alien conqueror generic bullshit. But here, he, like, he talks to Dasad, you know, Darth Vader, Emperor Palpatine style. Um,. And Dasad is played by British actor Peter Guinness, who was among the many actors who were cut uh, from the Whedon cut. And we have the established Steppenwolf subplot that Steppenwolf is just trying to go home, and uh, which made him a little bit more sympathetic. But he apparently uh, did something to betray Darkseid, and this is his penance, is that he now has to go out and conquer 10,000 worlds for Darkseid's behalf. Uh, and as we said in the previous sketch with Dustin, he's only got 99,999 more to go. <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing how the discourse on Twitter, as we mentioned beforehand, was like Steppenwolf was the most, you know, was the worst, most generic villain in comic book movies back in 2017. And now everyone's just like, oh, poor Steppen, he just wanted to go home. And just doing, you know, memes of like him and his puppy dog eyes and, and everything. It just shows how they made this a more interesting character. Obviously, we know where the point is going to, but. Uh, any other thoughts on the scene with Dasad, Dustin? Well, I, I I did also see the the poor Steppenwolf. He just wants to go home, but um, I did not have that reaction. I just kept thinking, <laughs> like, what if that was Hitler who just wanted to go home? He's still doing. <laughs> well, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, like, like I understand, like we've developed this character, um, and I think it's more interesting that um, he tried to betray dark side and then even later on like once he comes to the realization uh the realization that the uh anti-life equation is there it's almost like like brought to their attention in a way like oh you're trying to hide something from me too right like there's even like dissent and just delivering this this message um like to him like um like maybe there's something more to that story as well too right between their their relationship um so you know i think it it fleshes out the story a lot more and also explains why you know dark side's not just coming himself right like steppenwolf mm-hmm. like this is like hey man you gotta like do your part and like make up for this right um yeah. 
and uh it it once again it just like makes everything like more coherent um and you understand like why they're making these choices um and it just develops his character right so once again snyder andrew i love that stephen wolf has an arc I mean, it's <laughs> not, I mean, is it's kind of an arc, yeah. It's I mean, he's got something going on. He's got a backstory, and I mean, this was cut entirely right from the Whedon. Yeah, one? now, it, yeah, the Whedon version is just him saying "mother" and yeah. being all horny for the box. Yeah, Mike Pence. Um, so anyway, um, so it's uh, man, yeah, it's obviously a lot better. Decide looks fucking badass as fuck. Yeah. Love the design. Love the voice. Um, I think. I mean, I'm. It's not Shakespeare. I mean, it's not like it's not a lot. But when we do get, it's it's enough. It's, it's great, enough. Yeah. We know kind of what's going on with him, uh, and it fleshes out Apocalypse and Dark Side and all that shit. That's probably gonna have more going on in Justice League Two, hopefully. Um, so uh, I personally am a fan. I've become more of a fan recently of all the Dark Side shit. I love all that shit. Dark Side, Apocalypse, Stephen Wolf. So decide. So I mean, yeah, it was great. Putting the mother box yeah. in there, and his his eyes are like molten metal or whatever. Yeah. That's fucking yeah. sweet, dude. Come on, that's awesome. It's again like I had no interest in like the apocalypse that was presented, or not even really presented, but was implied in the Justice League one, where he's just like, you know, I will be you know part of the new gods again, and and through this, I was like, okay, whatever. I don't give a shit about the Steppenwolf. And then this one, I'm just like, oh, I want to see more. I want to see more of this yeah. world and Apocalypse. Yeah. I want to read more Kirby comics because I'm not, you know, I don't really know that much about Darkseid outside of the other adaptations. Uh, so we'll definitely do a deep dive into a future Patreon. Uh, the for forever that, people and, I, and all that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was like, I'm interested. Like, I want to see more of this. And, and it became apparent because I always thought, like, eh, it's a weird idea to just have Steppenwolf in one movie and then Darkseid in the next because, like, it kind of served the same purpose of just, like, alien come down to invade. And then this one makes it clear. We're just like, no, Steppenwolf is just – he's basically – not even the Darth Vader, but more of just like you know the Moff Gideon or whatever of uh, of uh, the Empire and Darkseid is is the head you know is the Emperor in a way if we're going to use Star Wars terminology. So you know it, it makes it clearer that Steppenwolf doesn't make Darkseid redundant. He's just the glorified henchman. If you think he's dangerous, wait till Darkseid comes down. That type of thing, and I think it's established so much better. So obviously, Snyder fourteen, Whedon one point five. <laughs> Snyder is at oh, 1.5 inches and Whedon is at 1.5 inches. Well. So. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right. Now we get into uh, Diana telling the history lesson. There's a lot to unpack here in this final part of Chapter 2 since this is what the Age of Heroes is named after this section. And it's a great section. And again, this is one, this is one of the parts that I was looking forward to the most because I knew that this was sort of butchered in the Whedon cut. So... Uh, one thing to bring up is that it's very clear in the Snyder Cut that Bruce is operating the Flying Fox from the Wayne Aerospace hangar. And that's where he brings the team to talk about, you know, the mother boxes. And that's when it's just like, you know, there are six, not five. There's no us about him and all that scenes. And then he brings them to the Batcave for further trust in a later chapter. In the Whedon Cut, there is no distinction. It almost makes it seem like he has that aerospace stuff all in the Batcave, uh, which, you know... Snyder pointed out on Vero that that makes no fucking sense, uh, as he pointed out on a lot of other stuff that uh, Whedon did, because Snyder to this day has never seen the 2017 theatrical cut. Yeah. 
he was told by Chris Nolan and Deborah Snyder, "You should never, you should never see this movie." And well, I, I Nolan with said up. that shit. Chris Nolan said that. So wow. okay. if you want, <laughs> it's pretty, that's pretty damning, I would say, uh, for Chris Nolan to just be like, nope, uh, his way out of it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so a few differences here as well. When Diana comes in, Bruce talks about, you know, I had a state-of-the-art security system. And uh, Diana in the Snyder version says, yeah, it took me a minute to disable it. Whereas in the Whedon cut, she says, yeah, it looked expensive, which makes it seem like she didn't struggle at all with it. So they kind of, I guess the Whedon cut, they were trying to make her seem a little cooler. Uh, uh, or maybe those are two alternate dialogues and Snyder just picked uh, a different piece of dialogue because, you know, sometimes they do shoot different lines every Definitely. now and then. Uh, Whedon also has this added subplot where, you know, he knows parademons go crazy over this one sound, so he wants... Bruce is asking Alfred to replicate the sound and honestly doesn't do anything. Uh, in the Justice League cut, he just that's, uses that sound later on. That sounds <laughs> like a it. 90s subplot, you know? That sounds yeah. like they're going to put that sound on a floppy drive, floppy disk, and fucking... He literally you know? blares it from the Batmobile so the, the parademons go after him, and I'm just like, do you really need this? This doesn't add anything in yeah. the Whedon version. Yeah. So that's not in this... Uh, Here's something that's cool is that the in the Snyder Cut, Bruce talks about how the flying fox, which is that big, that's he's it's a huge ass plane. He says it doesn't work. Uh, the, all the engineers that wait in aerospace can't make it work, and he's trying to figure it out. And uh, it pays off later that Cyborg, because he can talk to technology, is able to fix it. Of course, Joss Whedon cuts this from the uh, this entire subplot. Even this small subplot, which is really just a few lines, gets cut. Uh, by Whedon in the uh, 2017 theatrical cut. Uh, so, so much for the black man being a hero in his version. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, I guess before we get to the big history lesson where they go into the flashbacks, any any thoughts on that? Because to me, the the flying fox thing, I was in it for a big surprise because it was like I didn't know that was a subplot at all. But like you know, the fact that Bruce like later on knows that Cyborg could fix it and everything. Uh, based off of that faith, it was just like, this is really cool. This is, I did not expect this part at all. That's awesome. Uh, Dustin. Yeah. Um, and I think it, it, it's also ties back into like what I was talking about, like with Lois going to the memorial site every day, it's like really good, like storytelling, really good foreshadowing that's going to lead to, you know, character development or make something, you know, make sense later. Um, and you know, it's kind of like, um, they're, they're also doing all these little things, right. Too, where like all the, the greatest minds, you know, at Wayne tech couldn't do it. Batman couldn't do it. Um, it reminds me of like, um, you know, the last episode of Mandalorian, right? Like the Mandalorian fights the, um, the, the dark trooper. Oh yeah. It's really oh, hard yeah. the dark trooper. And what they're doing is they're setting up just how awesome the dark troopers and then Luke comes in and just thrashes them. Right. So like you're building up for somebody else. Right. And all the greatest minds on the, you know, earth can't get this thing to fly, but cyborg can. Right. So it's like, it's this build up, this build up. Um, so yeah, I thought they were, they were really good moments and these moments like continue to happen throughout the movie that push the narrative forward, but also develop other people's characters. Andrew. I like Cyborg accomplishing shit and doing shit in the movie for sure. <laughs> but I did sort of feel like uh, this is I maybe diverged slightly from you guys as a little bit, not a lot, but 
I just kind of felt like, do we need this struggle? Do we need what? How important is do we write this ship not working into this movie? You know, why can't this ship? I just don't know why. I don't know why this had to be a subplot. I'd rather him. I'd rather Cyborg do other shit. I definitely want him doing things, but mm-hmm. it just kind of felt. I don't know. More of a detour than the other shit for me. I mean, it's literally just a couple of lines, though. But I ultimately, guess, I guess ultimately, if it's a two-hour movie, it would have got cut. They probably would have. Yeah, yeah. As <laughs> yeah. did in twenty seventeen. It's not movie ruining, but this thing, this part did sort of stick out to me. I don't know if in I a would. Bad way. Yeah, and I don't know if I would give points to Whedon though either. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm sort of stuck. I'm stuck on this point, but okay. Well, I, I say we still give Snyder the point because I think yeah. there's something powerful about like here is Batman, the world's greatest detective, invented all his tech. He can't figure it out, but here's a showcase. Here's another showcase for Cyborg, you know, in a way, and yeah, in, in being the one to fix it. And you know, I don't think it takes away that much in terms of screen time. There's other stuff, you know, I think that was a little bit more superfluous that is kind of nice, but you know maybe would have not have survived if uh, they really wanted to cut it down into more of like a two and a half to three hour cut back in 2017. Uh, but this one, I don't mind at all, you know? So I would say uh, you're outvoted, my man. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Be, well, I, it's going to be I, Snyder 15. I, I abstain from that vote. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to abstain. All right. So that's Snyder at 15 and Whedon at 1.5. He's only at 10%. 15-incher <laughs> going on to, now. To Whedon's 1.5 inches. Uh, okay, so Diana and Bruce talk inside the Flying Fox in the Snyder Cut uh, when they're talking about the history lesson, whereas in the Whedon Cut, they talk outside uh, in the lake, which now makes more sense when I thought about it because I'm just like, of course Bruce would want to talk about this in private as opposed to just walking around at this lake, which I get is on his grounds, but obviously the only reason why they're on the lake in the Justice League is so that Cyborg can show up and, like, overhear them. So uh, that's lame. Also was lame in the Whedon <laughs> cut was that um, Bruce says that he figured out that, uh, you know, Diana says that one mother box was taken, and Bruce is just like, one mother box was taken. That leaves two more. And Wonder Woman's like, I'm impressed. And I'm like, you're impressed that he can do subtraction, Diana? You're impressed that he can do math? Was it sarcastic on Diana's part, though, or no? It didn't seem like that, or maybe that's oh. just how Gal Gadot did the uh, delivery. But okay, all right. Was, I don't know why that would, why that line would even be in there, even as a joke. But yeah, whatever. Uh, but yeah, we have a lot of major differences in the flashback to the history lesson, as it's called. It's called the history lesson of the Age of Heroes. The biggest difference, of course, is that uh, in the original version, the Snyder cut, it's Darkseid himself who comes down to Earth to look for the anti-life equation to invade Earth. Whereas in the Whedon cut, he was just completely replaced by Steppenwolf trying to conquer Earth because he's a generic alien conqueror. Uh, the history lesson sequence is much longer in the Snyder version. Uh, one thing to note is that uh, you see a lot of the Greek gods, uh, including Zeus, who was in the previous cut, but we get more of him. We also see Ares, where uh, actor David Thewlis, who played Ares in the, 19, in the 2017 Wonder Woman movie, his face is sort of digitally added to the uh, the stuntman and bodybuilder who played you know Ares in the uh, in the actual armor in that in that uh, scene, uh, Nick McKinless is the name of that bodybuilder uh, who provided the body for Ares, and he's the one who basically does the stunt where he brings the axe down on Dark Side. Uh, Nick McKinless was not credited at all in the oh, Weeden cut, 
but he is credited in the Snyder Cut. So again, wow. we should probably give a point to Snyder just for that. Points. Because, you know, credit to where credit's due. You've seen, David- seen the behind the scene shots of these guys? The guy playing Zeus, too, is... It's amazing, It's yeah. barely even CG, I think. <laughs> it's, it's not probably even, yeah. a little bit a sheen, three, a, you know, CG sheen on him, but that guy is... The only CG is the lightning. Ridiculous, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. You, you, can, you can understand why Hippolyta went for that. Yeah. So... He's uh, humongous. Speaking of which, we actually see Hippolyta in the flashback as well as Robin Wright as uh, Antiope, which we did not see either of them in the history lesson in the Justice League cut. Uh, but it makes way more sense that we see the Amazonians who we know back then because, you know, we know that they're ancient. Uh, there's more dialogue about them putting aside their differences with the Atlanteans, with the humans, who in this version are actually led by King Arthur, literally, uh, according to the credits. Oh, is that what was that supposed to be? I was wondering that. It's King Arthur. That's hinting at future Snyder projects, I think. Indeed, as well wow. as Snyder's own love for the movie Excalibur. Right, right, right. That's uh, cool. I thought they were like so- Viking kings or something. But that's actually cooler that it's King Arthur. That is cooler, yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, here's one interesting instance, because I there was this shot in the Whedon cut where you see a human soldier turned into a parademon. It's not in the Snyder cut. I believe Whedon added that in. The parademons are instead described in dialogue as, you know, when Darkseid takes over, he recruits the invaded into being parademons. So if I were to give any point to Whedon, this is just showing the transformation to parademon, but that would be about it compared to all the other shit that we see here. Uh, we get more of the Yalen Gurr Green Lantern. He's the sort of alien Green Lantern that we see. We saw him in both versions, but his death is a lot more brutal in the Snyder Cut. In the Snyder Cut, Darkseid cuts off his hand before he kills him, whereas in the Whedon Cut, he just gets killed by Steppenwolf before the ring uh, goes off to find its new owner. Uh, Ares wounds Darkseid and wounds Steppenwolf in both versions. However, when he wounds Darkseid in this one, it's a lot more violent and bloody. And Darkseid basically has to retreat because of the fact that he got injured by a god, literally. Whereas in the Whedon cut, Steppenwolf is kind of just gets defeated because he a bitch. So <laughs> uh, in the Snyder cut, uh, we have very different attitudes from Batman on this. So in the Snyder cut, uh, we finish with Diana saying the age of heroes may never come again. And Batman says it has to. Uh, so the Snyder Snyder's Batman is, as we were about to see, uh, more optimistic and has to put his faith in humanity and in these people in order for the Age of Heroes to come again. Whereas in the Whedon cut, Diana has a problem with the idea of recruiting the other Justice League members saying, quote, we're asking people who we don't know to risk their lives. And Affleck responds, I know. That's how this works. So a recurring theme that we're going to see when we go forward is that, uh, funny enough, for as much as people criticize Snyder's Batman with Batfleck as being, you know, overly brutal and dark, uh, Bruce is a bigger jerk in the Whedon version than he is in the Snyder Cut, uh, as we saw. And we'll see many other points of this later on as we go further. But that was something that I saw. But anyway, uh, your thoughts on this major uh, history lesson sequence, starting with Dustin. Uh, Well, first of all, you definitely don't get a point if you put in Steppenwolf. (laughs) 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 like like, there's nothing else to discuss right (laughs) like he could have just stopped there right um i mean just like that decision alone is just ridiculous um especially because like and and this is crazy but like i watched some you know behind the scenes like uh the making of and um it was it was the 
the Flash versus Superman scene we were talking about earlier, where Flash oh, is yeah. dodging the punches. And like mm-hmm. literally, they like CG everything out, like flat ge- geometric shapes. So the actors can see it and then they act it out, right? And record it. And then they like impose them into the CG, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you guys have seen this, but somebody posted a video I saw it earlier today. And um, they were comparing Thor versus Thanos to the history scene and the way that he hits um, Darkseid with the axe. Like, literally, they copied it. Like, when you see them, like, matched up, Mm -hmm. like, it's like the action is almost identical. Um, And the Snyder Cut would have been made before infinity war right like they already had like the cgi thing kind of like planned out but i watched it earlier today and i was like whoa like that looks eerily you know familiar there's there's also comparison of uh man of steel fights with uh the wandavision finale with vision versus vision oh i don't know if you've seen that that. check that out yeah i have to check that out but um but yeah i mean the the green lantern stuff was like amazing like dark side is amazing um, once again, we're developing the main character, the DC universe, and it's just getting bigger. Um, the one thing I really liked was like the, um, Atlanteans, like putting the mother box in and the tentacles would come out and like oh, yeah. cover it up and stuff. Like, I thought that was like a really cool little like detail. Um, but yeah, like, it, you know, the devil is in the details, right? There's like all these like little things that just mm-hmm. like really make this you know, whole story kind of like flesh out. So it was awesome. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, and then also like, I just have to like constantly, <laughs> you know, defend on Instagram. Like, why do you prefer, you know, Batfleck like over these other Batmans and why do you like mm-hmm. a lead Batman? And, and I think what people miss is it's not necessarily that somebody prefers a lethal Batman, right? It's this idea mm-hmm. of what happened to him that made him that way right like he's this you know um he 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 can't be corrupted he can't you know he doesn't kill people and all of a sudden like you know robin's killed and it changes him forever and now we're on this like redemption path right so i think that's what's always been you know more interesting about you know batman is this idea that he is human and we can identify with him and he has lapses right because he is human and he sets out and he has this plan, but then like something so life altering happens to him that it, you know, these stressors impact him in a certain way. And it's about like his path back. Right. So then you mention, you know, like a large part of this, you know, movie is about him having faith and redemption and like healing. Right. So, um, you know, it's not, I don't think it, you know, it's really that anybody preferred like a lethal Batman. It's a, it's a humanized Batman, right? Like we can't identify with a guy that never makes a mistake. We need, mm. you know, to have like that entry point. I think for me, that's why he was always a little more interesting than, you know, Superman because he is human. Although mm. in this one, like literally, I'm not even a lot. Like I teared up a little bit when Superman like wants to be human, right? Like, when he comes back and he's like, you said yes. And his mom comes in, you know, and, and so have to go, you know, there's this part where he's a God, but he just wants to be human. Right. Um, so there's like really, you know, these interesting moments that happen, but like the whole thing was just like, so amazing. But 
you know, if you replace dark side, you don't get a point. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> got, the more dark side, the better, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. So we're talking about the history lesson, huh? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this was in the beginning of the Whedon one, right? Am I wrong? They no. put they put it this... was it was, in, it was around the same placement. Oh, okay. The well, beginning of the winning one is the cell phone. Oh yeah, that's right. I don't know. I, I for some reason I thought this was the beginning of the last one. This, other is, than, this would have been way better. To, to be fair, that would have been thing. way better than the cell phone thing. Yeah. It's really epic because it's like anytime you talk about anything like five thousand years ago or whatever, and time mm -hmm. eternal, you know, ancient times, like. A, mm -hmm. You know what the what were the Amazons like at that time? What were the Atlanteans like at that time? King Arthur, dude, it's fucking cool. That's cool shit, man. So yeah, and having a non-human Green Lantern is cool. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, so um, I mean, a lot of setup here, and uh, it, it's what it's building the, the mythos. So yeah, it's Snyder again, man. Once again, yep. once again. Yep. yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love the... It, what it really does is it sets up the idea of this is what we have to aspire to. These are the shoes we have to fill. And the Justice right, League right. is filling the shoes of Zeus and Ares and King Arthur and like all yeah. these mythical figures basically putting the stamp on it saying, hey, this is like superheroes are modern mythology. Just because we have capes and we come from, quote-unquote, the funny books doesn't mean that, you know, we have no depth to ourselves. We have the same impact uh, as these types of characters. We are the modern King Arthurs and, you know, Greek gods and all those types of things. And I think that that's one of the things I most appreciate about this version of the Justice League is is that tie-in, uh, the idea that we have to aspire to this age of heroes. Again, and a majority of them are not necessarily gods so much as just people who as we saw are somewhat broken uh and find a way to heal through being heroes uh on that way that sums up batman you know sums up superman wonder woman cyborg especially flash aquaman like all these guys in a way martian manhunter as we're about to see like that's that's the main uh crux that's the main theme that we got with uh these guys so i think that's it's a wonderful tie that was just not clear at all in the previous version um or if it was, it was like very light. Again, emotional impact. There's so much more emotional weight to this. It's not even funny on here. So, point goes to Snyder. We 17. 17 incher. Compared to 1.5 incher. Jesus. <laughs> and uh, I think that is the end of the Age of Heroes, Chapter 2. So, thank you very much. That is superhero stuff you should know. So we have a few fan comments we got. First off is uh, Robert Sosa. Robert Sosa says, quote, I love this almost this whole almost revisionist history that has occurred with the Burton films since the Nolan trilogy has come out. People act like those films aren't good, have always been trash, and the fan base has always been against them. They were hugely influential, and I never heard a negative word about them in the 90s. Remember, we're talking the Burton films, so not the Schumacher ones. Uh, until Batman Begins came out, The Dark Knight was where it really seemed to ramp up, where almost overnight people forgot how iconic Nicholson's portrayal of the Joker was that Nolan was the true version of the characters. I mean, there was definitely, before the Nolan stuff came out, I think people wanted stuff that was a little bit more true to the comics or, you know, Batman being less kill-happy, uh, or at least that being addressed. Uh, but I do think there was, all, there's obviously always a factor of, 
you know, pitting something new against something that's comparable, which is also, you know, what does everybody compare Zack Snyder's Justice League to? Are they comparing it to some Avengers movie? Even though, you know, it's, it's certainly possible to like both. It's certainly possible to love all sorts of versions of, of Batman. There doesn't just have to be one version. You can like Keaton, Bale, Kilmer, Affleck, all of them. Uh, and it'll still be fine, you know? So, that's cool. Thank you, Robert. Uh, next one is, uh, we called Batman v Superman one of the most controversial superhero movies. Probably the most controversial uh, of all time. And uh, commenter Kyle Lewis says, quote, isn't Joker more controversial? Uh, I would probably say no, simply because, well, I said superhero, so Joker's, I wouldn't consider Joker to be a superhero movie. But also, uh, I feel like the discourse on Joker died out uh, after, you know, the Oscars, whereas opposed to people are still arguing about Batman versus Superman on Twitter. And Man of Steel, Man of Steel's Man of controversy Steel, yeah. lasted a long time in my recollection. Um, People are still talking about uh, the trucker's truck getting uh, messed yeah. up. Like, I saw that even, like, before we released our episodes on it. Like, people were still talking about it. Maybe so, some of that's because of the Justice League, but still. People talking you know? people talking shit about Burton Batman films compared to Bale's? I just, uh, just like both. One? Can't you like yeah. both? That's for what I was reasons? saying. Like, That's what I was saying. I, so, if you're younger than us here, maybe you don't know, <laughs> but the Schumacher ones were the real ones people shat on, uh, especially the last one, Batman and Robin. I don't mm-hmm. in my in my memory, in my experience, the first two there were generally well regarded. So, um, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe you've had a different experience online well, Robert, than I was telling. He's talking about how people started talking about them after the Nolan movies came out. I get it. I mean, they're definitely better in a lot of ways, but I mean, just I don't know. We've done episodes on that. I mean, not to not <laughs> to like um, you know, what do you call it? Not answer your question here, but if you really want a real thorough answer, you can just go back in our catalog. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to be. If he dis- already hasn't, yeah. Don't want to be dismissive about it, but I mean, yeah, it's you know, we I like don't think he's we being, like both. He's not- He's not dismissive about it. He's just saying... I'm saying us he, being he, dismissive to his answer, to, to his question, I mean. Well, well, here's an interesting thing, right? Like, right. you know, celebrating the release of the Snyder Cut. Like, I was making, you know, Snyder Cut posters, like, all the way up to the release, right? Right. And I also toyed with this idea of the Tim Burton's, you know, cut. Um, and I was making Justice League... Oh, yeah, this, yeah with Tim Burton, you know, like actors or like who you would have picked. And I did, you know, one with Michael Keaton, which was the iconic Batfleck shot, like of him, like looking down. I did uh, uh, Johnny Depp as Aquaman and Nick Cage as Superman. And let me tell you that Nick Cage one, uh, I checked this morning was over 17,000 likes. Dude, I liked it. I I was like, damn, (laughs) dude, I really want this. I want this now. (laughs) Like if they, if if he if his face had popped up in the Speed Force somewhere at the end of Justice League, I would have been like I would have standing ovation. To, to I don't know who's hating on it, dude, because it's some of the most popular stuff that like I've ever put out is the you know the potential like Burton verse, right? Like um, it's crazy to me that somebody would say like Michael Keaton um, is looked down upon, you know, especially for me. Like I remember, like I was like. 13 when that movie came out and that was like the biggest thing like ever right but like also too right like i love adam west you know like and i'm not like i just like you know you know uh 
Michael Keaton's awesome. You know, Adam West is terrible. Like, like all of them. But like, I don't know. I don't know about any like Tim Burton hate at all. <laughs> like none. <laughs> so, uh, in regards to this thing about from Kyle Lewis and Joker, more controversial. As I said, like I, I feel like people aren't really talking about it anymore, or the controversy uh, on those things. It was kind of short lived. So I'm just kind of going more off of uh, length of time. If anything, I would say just in general, I guess Snyder's stuff is controversial because you still have people, even despite all the Snyder cut, who are just like refusing to watch it, and you know that's their prerogative. Um, especially if it's not if it's not your thing, but if it's if it's a case where you know, you know, a lot of people they see the release of the Snyder cut movement as like uh, they feel like it's it's quote unquote the bullies winning and, and that type of thing because of you know the minority of the fandom doing things that are very questionable and, and toxic. But as I said, like that's a minority. That doesn't mean that justice wasn't done. We'll have a whole mini episode about why, you know, why the Snyder cut's existence is true justice, uh, in our opinion. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would say the, the, the overarching Snyder films are probably a lot more controversial than the few months of Joker controversy that we got when that movie came out. Uh, and then the last comment is just a nice one from Mr. Glass Spider, who has been binging us. Uh, Mr. Glass Spider says, "Quote, gentlemen, you are underrated." Well, thank you very much. As uh, Keaton said in Batman 89, I want you to tell all your friends about us. So, Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, over to you, Andrew. Okay, man. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for those comments. Always a pleasure. <laughs> so, um, anyway, yeah. Check, uh, please. We would like to thank our Patreon supporters, which are Shasta, Leom O, Super Inframan, Douglas P, Dan D, Aaron Willett, Nick Noir, Asger's Web, and now we would like to thank our other supporters, which are Sparkageddon, SDCT Productions, Robert Schumann, Kuki Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B., Shamrock Balls, <laughs> Shamrock Balls, Ian H., Walter the Wobot, and John Wells. Please check out the Shasta Army on patreon.com slash superherostuffpod. That's our $1 tier. You'll be in the shoutouts uh, if you join that tier. And if you join the $5 tier, that is when you get a whole other extra show that we do every Friday. You can cancel any time. It kind of round, round about maybe a dollar or so an episode. So uh, please check that out. Um, Superhouse merch. Superhero stuff you should know. Merch um, at superhousepod.redbubble.com. Also tpublic.com slash user slash superhousepodcast5000. And we're on Threadless, which is superherostuffpod.threadless.com. Just uh, all kinds of uh, Indeed Wizard merch. We're going to bring him back at some point. Um, ben Man merch. Uh, art by Wolfie, um, former host of the show. Uh, check that out. And uh, if you want, you know, your superhero stuff pod uh, mug or T-shirt or tote bag or whatever, it's all there. Uh, so uh, please check that out. Please leave us a review on iTunes. And then um, after you leave the review... Um, record your voice on your phone. You usually have a voice recorder app, no matter if you have a Droid or an iPhone. And um, record us a little something and send that to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. And you too can be on the show. I am Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, I'm Thunderwolf Lives on YouTube. And there I do a lot of my Japan centric content, uh, talking about all things Japan. Uh, check that out. Um, so those are my other interests there. Ben. 
Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at SuperHousePod. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at SuperHeroStuffPod, which is how we met Dustin. Uh, you can follow my personal Instagram at BenWanRider, as well as my cat's Instagram at AlfiePennyworthCat. He also, uh, you know, he builds these gauntlets for me for when I need to <laughs> He's in the lab. all the energy. He's in the lab right now. I put him to work. Uh, on my website is benwanrider.com, where I have a Gotham spec, and the promotional art is done by Dustin himself. I thought I would bring out the uh, the work that uh, he did that uh, he commission on. It is based off of the cover of uh, Detective Comics 31. Uh, 31, yeah, of uh, Batman vs. the Vampire, except it's David Mazus from Gotham on there. So... Uh, you can probably get a better look at it on the website. And uh, my channel below is linked where I uh, did a lot of different pitches for stuff like what Joker 2 would look like with uh, Joaquin Phoenix uh, or our 2018 rewrite of Justice League called Justice League The Time Travel Cut with, uh, you know, some ideas that I said before made it into the Snyder Cut like, you know, Darkseid and other ideas that are kind of insane that uh, did not make it there. But uh, I still kind of like anyway. Uh, but anyway, that is me, Dustin. Where can we find you? Um, you can find me at lmassyart.space, but I think I want to end with stream Snyder Cut on HBO Max. Let's make sure it's accepted. <laughs> Leave a Rotten Tomato score and use hashtag restore the Snyderverse. <laughs> nice. I nice. think that is where we're going to end on. So thank you very much, Dustin. Thank you guys for listening in. We will see you next time for Chapter 3. See you soon. Arriba Dare Chate. <laughs> <laughs> okay.